There's a chance we would. We couldn't even do that. Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. We're learning Maseches Yivamos Daf Pehe. We're starting two thirds of the way down at the two dots on the bottom of Pei Dalad Amud Pei's. Yesterday we quoted this line, and today we're going to dig in. Now we know that there is a principle in halacha called a, a halal or a halala, which is a person who is a kohen or a kohenes who has become pasul through the tashma shamita of her parents. She became a psula. However, uh, there are times when one can marry the other. What we saw yesterday was as follows. Gufa. There is no warning in halacha for a kohenes who is kosher to marry a man who is a halal. It's mutter for a kohen who is a halal to marry a regular woman in Kalaisrael. What's not allowed is the reverse, is that a halala cannot marry a kohen. That's she's because she's apostle and he's not allowed to marry apostle. Okay, maybe we have a raya from our Mishnah. What does our Mishnah say? Hi, Dad. Mm-hmm. Our Mishnah says, Chalal Shana is that if you have a Chalal, a Kohen who's a Chalal, and he marries a Kshera, that's what our Mishnah says. My love, isn't this case of a Kohenes? Umay Kshera, Kshera Lekahuna. Isn't this a Raya Brura, a perfect match to the Shita of Rav? And therefore, he, he has validated his Shita with a Mishnah. So the Gemara responds, nope, not a good Raya. Though. Maybe our Mishnah is speaking about a Yisraelis, not a Kohenes, but a Yisraelis. And Umay Kshera, Kshera Lekahal. And maybe is talking about the fact that she's allowed to marry into the Jewish people, having nothing to do with this case of a Chalal at all. Says the Gemara, Ihachi, if that's true, then our Mishnah has taught us something that is going to complicate things. Because in a case where Ruvain was married to Rachel, and Ruvain, Yeshlo Achi, has a brother who's kosher nami, kosher lakal, he's also kosher to the kahal. What does that say about Ruvain? That implies that Ruvain, the first brother, the brother who's married to Rachel, that implies that he is puzzled to the kahal. That was against what Rab is saying. It's also not the din, because we know that a halal is allowed to marry a kshera. Therefore, the Gemara pivots and says, 15 lines, 12 lines from the bottom of it must be that the statement of our Mishnah is referring to a Kohen. And by virtue of the fact that he must be a Kohen, and that we've proven already, it must be that she's a Kohenis also. And the Gemara rejects this, these last four words. Is that necessarily true? Yes, you prove the fact that in our Mishnah, when it refers to Yesh Loach, that it has to be talking about uh, it has to be talking about a Kohen that you've done. But why does she have to be a Kohenes? And with that, the Gemara basically rejects the comparison of our Mishnah to the statement of Rav Yehuda Amara. Nevertheless, the halacha is that a halal is allowed to marry a Kshera, and a halala is not allowed to marry a Kohen who's a Kosher. Is and, the person allowed to make a halal is only because of what the parents do? Right. So you can't induce it. It's it's through a Tashmashamita of sorts that yields the the halal the halal the halal. It's one of the big questions in Ashkafa. Why is that fair? It's not. Uh, they didn't do anything wrong. Right. Same thing with the mamzer. Yeah, it's where it comes up, and it's going to come up again today about mamzers. Okay, so the Gemara now has a fundamental question against Rabbi Yehuda Marav. This is ten lines from the bottom. Masiv Ravin Bar uh, Bar Nachman. The pasuk says Lo Yikachu Lo Yikachu. This is a famous pasuk. Isha Zonav Chalil Lo Yikachu. Isha Gerusha Me Isha Lo Yikachu. Ki Kadosh Hu Lelo Kav. A woman who is a zona, she uh, has sold herself for intimacy, or she's a halala by birth from her parents. Lo yikachu, the Kohen cannot marry her. And a woman who is divorced from her husband, she also cannot marry. Says the Gemara, what do we learn from here? Melame, this comes to teach us, that really a woman should have the same warnings as a man. And if the Kohen's not allowed to marry a halala, 
then maybe the Isha Ksheira should not be able to marry a Chala. That's what the Pasuk seems to imply. And if that's true, that puts Rav in a very complex position because Rav is promoting this idea, a one-directional prohibition, where the Chalal can marry a Ksheira, but the Chalala cannot marry a Kasher. So to that, the Gemara says, I'm a Rav all as well. Kol hecha dehu muzhar, he muzheres. The kol hecha dehu lo muzhar, he lo mizdahara. It is a unidirectional, uh, uh, unidirectional warning. And he is the deciding factor. If he has a prohibition, then she does. If she has a prohibition, uh, that it's irrelevant. We only focus on him. And therefore, because he's allowed to marry her, there is no fair warning. There is no uh, concern for her. Says the Gemara, you, how did you learn that from lo yikachu, lo yikachu? You shouldn't have learned it from that Pasuk. We should have learned it from a statement of Midirav Yehuda Amar Rav Nafka, where he says, The Pasuk says that a man or a woman, when they do one of the uh, one of the sins of man, it seems that a man and a woman are equals when it comes to the halachos, um, when it comes to each other's halachos. So why are you learning out, Rav, this idea from lo yikachu, lo yikachu? We already learned this idea from isho isha. And the Gemara says, no. Had we only learned it from the general Pasuk of Isho Isha, speaking about Chataos in general, I would have made an error. That the rule that the woman's prohibitions follow the man's prohibition is only true with a lav that's Shavibakol, a lav that applies across the boards. I might have thought that a lav that only applies to a certain sect of Klal Yisrael, namely to a Kohen, I might have thought, lo, that maybe the halachos are different. Says the Gemara, that's not a good argument because we know that when the Torah discusses the prohibition of Kohanim to become Tameh, unless it's one of the seven relatives, that is the Lav She'en Shavibakol that only applies to Kohanim. Not only does it only apply to Kohanim, it only applies to men who are Kohanim. The Torah went out of its way to teach us that it refers only to the Bnei Aaron and that it excludes the Bnei Aaron who are allowed to become Tameos. What do we infer from here? Halav hachi. If not for the fact that the Torah specifically focused on the Bnei Aaron to therefore exclude the Bnei Aaron, what is the default? Havamina, I might have thought Nashim Chayavos and my Taima, that would have been Lav Mishum de Rav Yehuda Marav, like the initial statement of Rav Yehuda Marav, that really Rav Yehuda Marav wasn't only talking about a Lav Hashavibakol, but he was even talking about Lav Shein Shavibakol, even a din of Kohanim. Says the Gemara Lo, that's not correct. It's not the right way to learn that. We actually do need that other Pasuk, and we don't learn, uh, we don't learn from Rav Yehuda Marav anything other than a Lav that is Shavah to, to everybody. Then we learn now the halachos of a woman from a man. But when it comes to kahuna, we needed the Pasuk of Lo Yikachu. Ika de Amre, another way to skin the cat is Kicha Itzri We needed the extra word of Kicha because it says Lo Yikachu twice. Sal Chamina Ligmor Mituma. Maybe we should say that we really should learn out from Tuma by a Kohen, that when it comes to Tuma by a Kohen, the Torah went out of its way to speak about men, thereby excluding women. So therefore, it's a great place to learn the general rule that outside of that space, we really need to have uh, the assumption that a woman follows a man, that we don't learn from Tuma, and we need the Mari Makomos that we discussed in order to learn out the halachos. So that's uh, the end of this little sugya that we've learned here on the bottom. And halacha it seems to be from our Gemara, based on Rav, that a halal can marry a kshera, can marry a kohenes who is a kshera, and a halala will for, be forbidden to the Kohen because the Kohen has a prohibition of marrying a, a, a psula, but the Aisha's Kohen, the woman, doesn't have a halachic prohibition of marrying a halal.
So on this uh, sugya, the Gemara is going to say, hey, do we really paskin like Rav? The Gemara says, Rav Papa v'Rav Huna b'Reid Rav Yoshua ikluu lehinsabu. They went to the city of Hinsabu la'asred de Rav Idi Bar Oven, and they went to, went to the city of Rav Idi Bar Oven. While they were there, the base medrash posed a shaila to Rav Papa and Rav Huna. Ba'uminaihu, they asked a question of them. They, the Talmidim and the base medrash, asked a question of them, Rav Papa and Rav Huna. Who's haruk sheros lehinase lepsulin olo? Do we have a prohibition or not in regards to a halala, in regards to a ksheira marrying a halal? Yes or no. So Amar Luhu Rav Papa, Rav Papa takes the first stab and he says, Tani Tuha, we've already learned this. And this is a brisa that I believe we've seen before, but it wasn't quoted here. Maybe it'll ring a bell um, for one of you. Asara Yuchs and Alami Babel, there were 10 groups of people that came up from Babel. Kohanim Levim Visraelim, of course, the regular Jews. Chalalem Geirim Vicharurim Chalalem, we know people who are the result of certain inappropriate relationships with Kohanim, Geirim are converts, Harurim are freed slaves, Mamzerim we know, Nesinim are the Givonim or the Givnonim, Shetuki Vasufi are different types of Sveikos Mamzerus, and these are some of the 10 people. Now, within this group of 10, who is allowed to marry whom? Kohanim Levim Yisraelim Mutarim Lavozebozeh, no problem. All three groups can marry one another. Levim Yisraelim Chalolim Gerim and Charurim Mutarim Lavozebozeh. And these groups, a Levi, a Yisrael, a Chalal, and all of these people, a Ger and a Charur, they can all marry one another. And Gere, uh, uh, people who are Gerim, Charure, these are the people who are freed slaves. What's missing from this list? It seems to be that the case of a Kosher Kohanes to marry a Chalal is not listed. Maybe we should therefore infer that Rav is wrong. When the relationship is allowed in both directions, if the male is a mamzer and the female is a mamzer or vice versa, so then no problem. But this, as we've discussed, is only a unidirectional halacha. It's not true. You cannot learn from here an exhaustive rule that this list is ever so perfect that because it doesn't speak about a kshera marrying a chalal, therefore it's usr. The reason why that case wasn't listed is because it doesn't work in both directions. Yes, a chalal can marry a kshera, but no, uh, a kasher cannot marry a chalala. So because it's not taught in both directions, therefore we cannot infer from this brisa, says the Gemara. So they brought the shaila. They didn't have an answer now. They tried from this brisa of asara, of Asara Yuchsin, and also the commander of Idibar Oven. So instead, they brought the Shiloh to Rav Idibar Oven. Amar Dardiki, my dear children, uh, it's uh, not a term of endearment in this case. It means you guys missed the obvious. Hachi Amar Rav, like we started with today and like we learned yesterday. Lo Husaru, there are no halachic warnings for Ksheros. It's absolutely mutter for a, a kasher, for a Kshera, a woman who is Kshera, who is a Kohenes, to marry. No problem at all. Because remember, the reason why this distinction is reasonable is because we're only concerned about a coin marrying a, a psula. She's not a psula. She's a kshera. What if he, what if she was a halala? Then Taka, you're right. Then he's not allowed to marry her because she's a psula. But there's no prohibition for her to marry a puzzle. So a woman who's kshera can marry a halala. We spoke about in our Mishnah yesterday, Shniyos Midivre Sofrim. We're almost halfway down on Peham at Aleph. And we spoke about this idea of rabbinic injunctions for certain... Uh, relationships with Tashmish Amita. A Shiloh was asked from the people of the city of Biritz Rav Sheshes. 
Let's say there was a case of Shnia Lebel, where Ruvain and, uh, and Rachel are married, and really there's a rabbinic injunction on the two of them being intimate. Below Shnia Liyabam, but Shimon, Ruvain's brother, there is no uh, prohibition of her to be intimate with Shimon once her husband dies. So, in such a case, would she in fact earn a ksuba upon leaving the Yavam relationship or no? And here are the two sides of the coin. Maybe we should say that in regards to a ksuba, we typically have a rule that when there's a case of yibum, that the nechasim of the first husband are, is what pays the actual uh, ksuba. Or maybe because the chachamim wanted to protect women and make sure that they were willing to get married into this second marriage. And they made a rule that if the first husband had no assets, then she would in fact be able to get a ksuba from the second husband. Maybe isle, maybe therefore in this case, she would have access to a ksuba in the case of the yava. So Amar Luhu Rav Sheshes, Rav Sheshes responded, Tani Tuva, two-thirds of the way down, no, not quite. Really, it should be that the ksuva should come from the first husband's money, from Ruvain's money. And if, in fact, there was a rabbinic injunction on the second, uh, if there was, a, in fact, a rabbinic injunction on her husband, and then even from the yavam, she would get no money. Says the Gemara, that implies that there are times that the Yavam does give money. This Brisa seems to be very confusing. So the Gemara responds, you're correct. Really, this Brisa that Rav Sheshes is quoting to answer this question of whether or not there's a Ksuba when a woman marries a Yavam, in the scenario where Ruvain and Rachel, the first husband, they had an Isr Darabonim to be together, here's Pshat in the Brisa. Really, when a woman becomes a Yavama and marries Shimon, and then there's a divorce there, she really should get the Ksuva money from the first husband, from the Yorshim of the first husband. And if the first husband has no estate and no money, it should be the case that the second husband would then uh, have to pay up. But if there was a rabbinic conjunction between Reuven and Rachel in the first relationship, then there would be no money to be had whatsoever. And that brings us to another two dots, uh, almost uh, two-thirds of the way down, a little bit more. The Gemara says, Rabbi Elazar, third century Amor to Rabbi Yochanan. In the case of Almanu Lekoin Gadol Brusha Vechalutza Lekoin Hedyo, Yesh Lamezonos, O Ein Lamezonos. In the case of a marriage that never should have happened, an Almana should never marry a Koin Gadol, and a Grusha and a Chalutza should never marry a Koin Hedyo. But let's say they do and they get divorced. Would there be Mezonos, or let's say they do and they're not yet divorced, would there be Mezonos, yes or no? We know anyone who's ever read through Aksuba, we know that uh, Mezonos is one of the things that a husband has as a burden on him, on the husband, to feed the wife. Does it apply in this case in a marriage that never should have been? So says the Gemara, hey, Chidami, what is the case scenario? Ilima di to say, if she's sitting there with him, if she's maintaining this relationship that should not be, she should be getting up and leaving the house right now. They're not allowed to be together. The whole thing is uh, the whole relationship should not be. He has an obligation to feed her. They're also to be married. So therefore, the Gemara says, no, what was the case? He went to his apartment in another place. And and in the process of them ending their relationship, they're not living together anymore. She took a loan to eat food. And then my, who has to pay back the loan? Does she have to pay back the loan? Because really the Ksuba has no obligation in this us, her marriage for him to feed her. Or does he in fact have to pay? 
Says the Gemara, what's the Chakira? Really, Mizonos are one of the fundamental conditions of a Ksuba. And since she does have a Ksuba, albeit in a marriage that's forbidden, Isle Mizone, Odilma, or perhaps would we say Ksuba de la Mishka Ulamepak Isle, the Ksuba, the whole thing should be should have been thrown out anyway. Says the Gemara, well, Mizone, Dilma te Akiv Gabe, Lesle. If there's Mizonos, then she may stay with him, and that would be a big problem. So, what's the din? Do we say that she gets Mizonos from the Ksuba? Yes or no, in these forbidden marriages? Omar Lay, the Gemara responds, Lesle. She has no Ksuba. I Tanya Yeshla. The Gemara says that maybe they're really should be Mizonos for her. And the Gemara responds, no. That Brisa, which says that maybe there should be for her, Kitanya Hahi, Laachar Misa, that only applies after he dies. Then she does get from the Yorshim. However, when he's alive, she does not get. And Ista Amre, or really the correct here, says probably Ika de Amre. And if you look in the Mari Makomos on the side here, in the Ghost of Zionim, it highlights the, um, the Dfus from uh, Venezia. Uh, of the many different girsos, we've had a lot of different uh, iterations of the Gemara over the, you know, 13, 14, in the 1400 when the printing press started, there were a lot of different versions that came up. The one that we have is like the Warsaw. So that's kind of what we use, but there are other versions and there were some slight differences. And Ika de Amre, some say that the end of this conversation was a little different. Omar Lay, that he said to him, Tanya Yeshla, the Bryce says she does get. However, that doesn't make sense. Really, she should be getting out of here and there should not be. Says the Gemara, what should we do with the Yeshla. So the Gemara says, yeah, really when he's alive, there should be no there should be no Mizonos. When the Brisa says Yeshla that she does have access to Mizonos, that's after the husband dies if they had never gotten divorced. That brings us to a Brisa, eight lines or so, seven lines from the bottom of Pehei Amid Aleph. And we're going to be going to the Mishnah on the bottom of Pehei Amid Beis. Let's continue. Tanurabana, the rabbis have taught us in a case of Amana the Kohen Gadol and Usr marriage, Grusha the Chalutza the Kohen Hedjot, another Usr marriage. Yeshla, she does get Ksuba, Peros, Mizonos, and Belos. She does get her Ksuba, she gets fruits that she brought into the marriage, she gets food, Mizonos, and she gets Belos, which are clothing that she brought to the marriage for her husband. Not only is she Psula for the Tashmash Amita with this person who is, she's not allowed to be married with, married to, but her child is also considered a Pasal. And as well, the Kofen Osolahosi, we don't allow this marriage to take place. This happens the mice in the community. We, I, I know people, I'm sure you all do too, a Kohen who decided to marry a Grusha. When I was a kid, one of my classmates, is my, his mom married a Grusha, married a Kohen. She's a Grusha, married a Kohen. So Halacha is the Kofen Osolahosi. It's not right. They should not be living together. They shouldn't be living in the same house. There might be an Isra Yichud. There's certainly an Isra Tash Mishamita. It's unacceptable. We should be pushing people to get divorces. And we're going to be discussing now some of the ways we motivate people to get divorced. So the Brisa continues. What about times when the, the marriage is uh, not an Isra de Oraisa, but the marriage is really Shniyos Midibre Sofrim, it's only a Dindara Banon. So four lines from the bottom of Pehe Amar Aleph, the Gemara says, in regards to Shniyos Midibre Sofrim, Ein Laksuba, she doesn't get a Ksuba, we're harsher with the rabbinic scenarios than we are with the biblical ones. And that's going to be a Machlok as as to why that's true, we'll see momentarily. She gets no Ksuba, she doesn't get fruit, she doesn't get fed by her husband's family, she doesn't get the clothing that she had brought to the marriage for the sake of her husband. She's still considered a kshera because there's no psal del rice in the Tashmashamit. It's only rabbinic in nature. Vivlado kosher. And still the kofen osolahotzi. 
So the Gemara makes a, a sharp and strange distinction between a marriage which is an Isra do right, so where she still gets Ksuba, she still gets Peros, she still gets Mizonos and Belos. Masha'in can, when it's Shniya Medivre Sofrim, it's only rabbinic injunctions on the, on the marriage, there she doesn't get a Ksuba, and she doesn't get Peros, and she doesn't get the Belos, and she doesn't get uh, the Mizonos. Very strange. We'll see in the Gemara why that's true. And it's, uh, okay, good. Two lines from the bottom. The Gemara says, Amr <clears throat> Shimon ben Elazar. Let's remember his name. It's going to come up. Why is it that in the case of the marriage that really is forbidden Midoraisa, why is it that when this Alman is married to a coin Gadol, she gets a Ksuba? Because both of them are Pasal. In any case scenario where the husband is a Pasal and she is a Psula, we punish him in that he has to give a Ksuba because we want to motivate him to get divorced. Why in the case where there's only a rabbinic injunction on the intimacy, why there do we say because, because since the Tash is only rabbinic in nature, nobody has the status of a puzzle. And therefore, a woman would rather be married and albeit in a rabbinically prohibited marriage, than to not be married at all. And therefore, <laughs> we tell her this is a marriage where you don't have a ksuba. You're not protected in this marriage. You might want to run now before things get bad. He can just toss you out and throw you a ksuba with no money in it. And you're a get, I should say, I'll throw you a get, and your relationship is over. So the rabbis removed, it's a koach of the chachamim, so bilak, or it's not really davar minatora, but to undo the ksuba, because they wanted this marriage to end. So that is what uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says. However, Rebbe Omer, that there's something else going on. Halalu divrei Torah, the divrei Torah ain't tzrichin chizuk. Halalu divrei sofrim, the divrei sorim sofrim tzrichin chizuk. When it comes to the relationship that's aser mido raisa, the almana the coin god, the almana the coin gadol, and the grusha vechalutza the coin hadyot, the Torah doesn't need any help. The Torah is fine. The regular ksuba can be given. We don't need to intercede and interfere on behalf of a Kodesh Baruch Hu here. Don't worry. It's an Isra Doraisa marriage. N- nobody's stupid. Everybody knows what the din is. They got into this marriage on their own. They know what's going on. Poor decision, but we're not messing around. We don't need to change rabbinic laws to strengthen a din Doraisa. However, when it comes to rabbinic injunction marriages, when it comes to Shneos Medivrei Sofrim, there, uh, and therefore we do have to change one of the halachos, and that is whether or not a woman earns her ksuba when she willingly enters into a marriage that is usr midirabonah. And then the Gemara says that the Brisa writes davar acher. We don't know yet who the author is. Zehu margila vizo he margilaso. The Gemara makes a distinction. It depends. One is where he promotes the marriage, and the other is where she promotes the marriage. Who is the author of this line? Who is the author that says that it really depends on who motivated the relationship? And Ika de Amre, we're eight lines down, Ika de Amre, according to some, it's Rav Shimon ben Elazar Ketanila. And all that's happening now is really Umatam Ka'amar. Really, this Davar Acher is just an extension of the initial opinion of Rav Shimon ben Elazar. Rav Shimon ben Elazar's opinion, as quoted on the bottom of Pehayam et Aleph, two lines from the bottom, said that the reason why we want them to get divorced is because he wants this marriage. He wants this marriage, so we force him to pay the Ksuba to get them divorced. 
That's why in the case of the in the case of the Almana the Kohen Gadol, that there's still a ksuba because we want to force him out of the marriage. And what's the umatam? So back in the Gemara, ten lines down. Matam Amru, who Kansu Why is it that we say that when the marriage possels them both, such as in a case where an almana is married to a coin gadol, that he still has to pay the ksuba? He had to convince her to get married. That was not a simple thing for them to do. And therefore, he is the one who has to pay the ksuba. Umatam in the case of Shniyos Midi Resovrim, Umatam Hu Kasher Vihikshera Kansu Osaksuba. According to this line of reasoning of Rab Shimon Ben Elazar with this mixed idea of Margila and Margilto. Why is it that we now have to say that when both of them are kosher and it's only a rabbinic relationship on the pro, pro, on a prohibited rabbinic relationship that she doesn't get exuba, because since she wants to get married, she doesn't want to be alone. She'd rather be in a rabbinic injunction marriage. Fine. So then that's the din. So then uh, that's why the Gemara makes this distinction and she doesn't get exuba. Some say that actually the words Dover Acher, the line of Dover Acher about Margila is actually a new version of Rebbe because Rebbe's first shita doesn't hold water. Rebbe's first shita was that Divrei Torah uh, don't need chizuk and dire so from do need chizuk. But the Gemara presents a problem with that. Rav Rav had to give a second answer because the case of chalutza is a din do rise, uh, is a din derabanan in this case. It's a conflict of terms where really the marriage to the chalutza in this particular case was a din derabanan, but she still gets a ksuba and therefore he had to reject his answer. And Hadar Amar came on the since. Uh, this person will become Pasal, Zehu Margila, Vizohi Margila To. And this is where the Gemara makes this distinction where Rav would, where Rebbe would want to possibly use this answer. Then the Gemara asks a third of the way down, and this will take us to the end of the page. My Ika Bain Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar. My Ika Bain Rebbe, the Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar. What is the difference between the Shitas of Rebbe and Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar? The Gemara did just present a possibility that Rebbe had to change his answer because of the case of Chalutza. But for the sake of the next five Ikabenai, um, who's the five differences that we're about to learn between Rebbe and Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, we're under the assumption that the Machlokas is as follows. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar was of the opinion, as he mentioned, that we um, that in a case of Pasal and Psula, he has a burden to pay. And when in the case where it's kosher and kshera by shniyos midrabanon, she does not get her ksuba. And Rebbe was of the opinion that divrei Torah do not need chizuk, whereas divrei derabanon do. So now the Gemara says, what's the difference between these two shitas? And the Gemara presents its, for its first of five answers, a third of the way down. Amar of Chizda, mamzeres unesina Yisrael ikabeinahu, a mamzera or a nesina. If one of these women marries a Yisrael, this is a big difference between them. Manda Amar, according to Rebbe, who holds the Oraisa, Hanami de Oraisa, this is still a case that's Mid Oraisa, the Isert for a Mamzeris or a Nisina to marry Israel's Nisar de Oraisa, and therefore he would still get the, he would still be obligated to pay the Ksuba. But Manda Amar, Gila, according to the one who says that we determine the payment of a Ksuba based on who and who created the relationship, she's the one who pushed for the relationship because she was a Mamzeris already. She wanted to get married at least to someone. So she pushed for the marriage to happen. Therefore, she loses her ksuba. The Gemara says, this can't be a good uh, difference between Rebbe and Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar because of the Rabbi Eliezer, the Amar, HaReze Evedu Mamzer, Halomar Gila Levelomili. There is a case scenario that we have in Halacha where a Mamzer uh, is, has Tash Amita with a Shifcha Kananis. The child has both the status of Evan and Mamzer. In such a case, the Mamzeris 
or the, the moms are in this case, the woman in this case would not be happy with that and therefore that breaks the rule that we just tried to present here, that breaks this as one of the possible differences, the case of a mamzeris and an Asina to Yisrael. So the Gemara halfway down moves on to the second difference between Rebbe and Rav Shimon ben Elazar. Elama Rav Yosef, we're really talking about a case, the difference between Rebbe and Rav Shimon ben Elazar is Machzir Grushasa Mishinises Ika We've had this case 10 times. The case of Machzir Grushasa is Ruben is married to Rachel, they get divorced. Rachel marries a random guy, Chaim, and then they get divorced. Rachel now wants to remarry her initial husband. That's an Isra Doraisa. Manda Omar Doraisa, according to Rebbe, who says that we determine whether or not she gets a Ksuba based on the Doraisa status, this is Doraisa, Hanami Doraisa, and therefore she gets a regular Ksuba. Manda Omar Ben Elazar is of the opinion who holds Margila, because maybe he's the one who caused the relationship. She is the one who caused for this relationship. She went back into the marriage knowing full well that it was completely usher, and therefore she doesn't get a Ksuba. Says the Gemara, this doesn't work. According to Rabbi Akiva, who says that even when there's a regular lab, you can become a mamzer, she would never want this marriage, and therefore, this nafkamina also doesn't work. So the Gemara, two-thirds of the way down, presents the third possible difference between Rebbe and Rav Shimon ben Elazar. What's the case? It's also for a coin gadol to marry a woman who has lost her virginity. According to the one who says that when we're dealing with Dine Do Raisa, she still gets her ksuba. Well, guess what? Hanami Do Raisa. It's an iser Doraisa for a coin gadol to sleep with a woman who's a be'ula, and therefore she still gets her ksuba. And according to Reb Shimon ben Elazar, who says that the determining factor of whether or not she gets her ksuba is who engendered the relationship, she's the one who started this relationship, and therefore she'll lose her ksuba. Says the Gemara, that only works according to some. Well, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, that you can still generate a halal even though the iser, according to him, between a be'ula and a kohen gadol is because the Torah says that he has to marry a besula. It doesn't say he can't marry a be'ula. It says he has to marry a besula. The violation of that law is not an iser lab, it's an iser ase. So says the Gemara that according to Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, what the, a, a halal can be created from chayve ase, she would never engender that relationship, and therefore this distinction doesn't work. So let's move on to the fourth possible distinction, three-fourths of the way down. If a person is intimate with his uh, sota wife while she is on the way, to get the sota, the, to drink the mesota. According to the one who says that a woman keeps her uh, ksuba when the relationship has a din do raisa status, hanami do raisa. This too has a din do raisa status. And according to the one who says that the determining factor of whether or not she gets her ksuba is who engendered the relationship, hahi margilale. She knows that she's down for the count. She's becoming a suffix sota. She could die. She'd rather be with her husband. So she pushed the relationship. Says the Gemara, not simple. Well, the Rav Masi ben because she won't drink. If she convinces him to right. Oh, oh, oh. She's out. Oh, she I thought it was. Victor, I wasn't not, even thinking about that. She doesn't right. have to drink if so they have Tashmir really, Samita. Correct. So she's really got skin in the game. If she convinces him to be with her, <clears> and they get to the place where she doesn't drink, so therefore she knows <clears> that she's going to explode. Here's the way out. Right. Because she's basically, <clears throat> if, if a ball of a there, correct. So he marginal, I mean, it's really in her best interest. Yep. 
That's for sure. I was thinking about death, but that's a, a good point. It avoids the whole thing altogether. Right. So the Gemara then says that doesn't work according to everyone. According to the Shita that says that when a suffix sota, a woman on her way to drink the mesota is intimate with her husband, forget about whether or not she drinks anything else, she becomes a zona. That's not good. So then if that's the case, Rashi says she'd rather drink the water. Rashi says um, three-fourths of the way down, she'd rather not be a zona. She would never want to be psula to a coin. So therefore, she would not want to become a zona. She wouldn't sleep with her husband. So therefore, the Gemara says its final distinction, what we're talking about is a case of sota vadai. And here, the distinction is clear. The Gemara doesn't even bother articulating the two sides. If you're talking about an Isra Doraisa, if she's a sota vadai, they're not allowed to sleep together, and therefore she would still get her ksuba. But if um, if you're looking at who is motivating the relationship, a sota vadai can't marry. She, she, the only person she'd want to be with is her husband. So she's Margulale, and therefore she'd lose her ksuba. We'll stop right here and start with a fresh Mishnah tomorrow on the bottom of Peheim at Bays. Wishing you all a beautiful night. <clears throat>